0: This is uh, perhaps Paul's last letter. It was written while he was imprisoned for the third time in his ministry, probably in Rome. And Philemon, this slave owner, was the head of a household and the leader of a a church that met on his uh, property, as almost all churches did until well into the third century. It was probably in the region of Colossae in modern-day Turkey. Onesimus was a slave who fled from Philemon's house and it's not clear under what circumstances and it's not clear how he ended up in prison with Paul, but while he was in prison, Paul led him to a relationship with Christ Jesus and he became a Christian, which to Paul was to say he became a new person. Now, I I chose this scripture for Stewardship Sunday because this was an extraordinarily tricky situation for Paul to deal with in a community that he brought to life, a community of faith in Christ. And Paul had to decide what principles, what could he draw upon to help this situation find a good outcome And I think that Paul drew on principles that help illuminate for me what is very most precious and important about the church. And that's why I chose this unusual passage for Stewardship Sunday. So let's think about the situation a little bit more. There's a lot that we don't know. The letter is the only thing that we have that really gives us any detail and we have to read between the lines. We don't know what kind of slave owner Philemon was. Had he been cruel or harsh? What kinds of conditions prompted Onesimus to run away? We don't know if Onesimus ran away because he was fleeing a bad situation or that he simply wanted freedom. Did he steal something on his way out to help him on his journey? We don't know. Did Onesimus seek Paul out for refuge? Did he flee to Rome because he'd heard Paul's preaching while he was in that house church working and thought of Paul as someone in whom he might find a compassionate friend? Or did he just run away to Rome, which was a large enough city for runaways to kind of hide and seek cover, and then hear about Paul and learn about him while he was there and seek him out? We're not even exactly sure, although Paul makes it clear that he's asking a very big favor. We're not sure exactly what he wanted to happen to Onesimus, what outcome he had in mind. But what most scholars believe is that we can assume that Philemon and Onesimus were reconciled, that Philemon granted Paul's request, otherwise the letter would not have been kept. And I believe that it's clear that Paul appealed to love rather than judgment because he trusted the Spirit of God to be at work in that situation and to grant even more than he would have been bold enough to ask for I think Paul wanted the best for Onesimus. I think he wanted him to be brought back into the fold as a brother, not to have to make financial reparations, not to face punishment. This would have been a bold, bold ask of Philemon. So how did Paul go about thinking this through? Well, it was, it was a widespread um, and legal economic practice uh, and feature of ancient Rome, slavery was. Runaway slaves were property considered and, and they were supposed to be returned to their masters. Uh, they could be punished and, and even killed under Roman law by their masters, uh, though that didn't happen often and it wouldn't have been considered prudent. Slaves were actually paid a wage Um, and usually they became enslaved as a result of the spoils of war. Um, They could, and not infrequently did, save their wages and purchase their own um, manumission. Um, And they could also have an appeal to a Roman citizen who could be appointed a legal advocate on their behalf in order to gain better conditions for their return. they were going back to their master. So Paul was a Roman citizen. He knew about all of this context. He also, as a Hebrew, knew that in the ancient uh, uh, law given to Moses, the uh, Israelites made some allowances for the practice of slavery, uh, also usually as a spoils of war. But the law of Moses dictated some guidelines that, that moderated that practice, including one that stated that escaped slaves should not be returned to their master. Early on in Paul's career, he, he made some statements in uh, letters that he wrote to churches in Galatia, and then also in Corinth, that give us some idea about his general feelings about slavery. In Galatians he wrote, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The baptismal formula that was used in that church and probably in others repeated as uh, that similar theme. All you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is not male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Paul even counseled in one of his letters to the church in Corinth that Slaves who have the opportunity to win their freedom should do so. So Paul could have drawn on principles both from his Jewish faith and from his Roman citizenship as he sought to answer and address this dilemma. But instead, he made an appeal to Philemon based on love and the nature of the church. And thus, I think, he believed the best outcome would happen, that Philemon would defy conventions. As a Christian slaveholder, he would forgive and receive back into the household that runaway slave, refuse financial reparation, and go farther in generosity by freeing him. Paul wrote this letter to foster reconciliation between two people who he saw as closely related to one another. They were both his spiritual children. He was their father in faith. And in doing so, he, he talked about what was important about the church. So I'm gonna pull some of those principles out and, and lift them up before you today. The first thing that Paul did is he started his letter, and as he was thinking through this situation, I know his letter reflected his practice, was that he prayed. He prayed for the church that was facing this potential upheaval, because there were probably other slaves who were part of that congregation, having uh, the situation transpire and Perhaps having Onesimus come back could have created a lot of upheaval. He prayed for that church, and he prayed, first of all, with thanksgiving and appreciation for Philemon. Churches that were meeting in people's homes relied upon people who had larger homes and thereby of more means to host them. And Philemon and his family had made the commitment to host and It was not an insubstantial commitment on their part. Philemon was being built up in Paul's prayer for all of his generosity in the ways that he'd shown it for his faith and his giving. And in the midst of that, Paul also in the prayer went a little bit further. But the church is a place where we appreciate each other. I wish that, you know, we have witnesses where people come up and talk about the ways that God has uh, been at work in their lives, usually in the things that they're doing here in the church. But I know that so many of you are having an incredible witness with love and, and grace in many areas in your jobs, in the ways that you volunteer in the community, in the ways you're working with family and friends. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the ways. You guys spent so much time making that beautiful musical statement today that really was inspiring. We appreciate each other and the gifts we give. I appreciate the opportunity to be united in prayer with others in the congregation. It's one of the biggest blessings. When I pray for others in the church, I really feel Christ's presence Paul, in addition to expressing appreciation, he, he added on something in the prayer that was asking for Christ's guidance for Philemon that, that he would grow more and perceive even more that he could be doing for God. And, and that idea of the, inviting the spirit to help Philemon's heart grow was a powerful. It was a powerful prayer because the church is truly where we challenge each other to grow into the fullness of Christian maturity. It's a lifelong project. And uh, it's something that I really appreciate about uh, having an office right next door to John's. Uh, Sometimes when I um, am trying to think through how to respond to a situation, I'm not sure if I'm doing the most loving thing or the most mature thing. And, and so we bounce off each other. We seek each other's counsel. Is this, is this nice? Is this the best way to handle this? Will this be peaceful? And um, uh, lots of times we, we change each other's minds and, and, and it helps us grow. I know, that, I know that I've grown as a result of it. And I think John has probably too. But that's one of the blessings of being the church together. We help each other grow, trusting that God's spirit is still at work in us, bringing us forward. Yes, we are loved just as we are, but we are also loved and empowered to reach our fullness in Christ. The church is a place where we appreciate each other, where we challenge each other to grow in maturity. And it's also a place where we are schooled and given opportunities to learn how to love. Um, I don't know if you uh, noticed, uh, uh, there was a big Time Magazine special edition on mental health recently. And uh, it was talking about, one of the articles was about the epidemic of loneliness. Um, When we have our home fellowship groups We uh, ask questions uh, and answer questions for each other to help us get to know each other better. One of the questions that uh, usually comes up that I uh, will pose in the first session is, um, what makes you feel lonely? And I know for me, one of the things that most makes me feel lonely uh, is when I'm in a room full of people or I'm around others and I feel like no one else there has uh, the same values that I have or has the same kind of uh, faith or hope in, in the world that I have. Have you ever had that experience, being the only person in the room who's kind of feeling a certain way or understanding a situation a certain way and no one else does? The church is a place where we connect with people who understand life through the lens of Christ Paul says when, when we are in Christ, we become new creations, and we don't see each other, we don't see ourselves any longer from a human point of view. We see each other as loved, beloved people. Paul was talking to a situation with Onesimus and Philemon where there were huge differences in social class and privilege, An experience of life. And instead of kind of canonizing those social status uh, labels, do you notice in the letter how much he used terms like brother, father? He took the relationship between the two of them and put it in terms of being part of a family of God. And just in doing that, he brought them into a relationship with one another through Christ to help open their eyes and help them see each other differently. The church is a place where we share with others the value of God's love and of being loved. The church is a place where we can overcome differences and learn to understand one another. I don't know if you noticed the beautiful um, offices and, and parts of the, of the church that were portrayed in the, um, in the stewardship video. Did you notice how neat and clean everything was? Yeah. Did you notice whose office wasn't included? <laughs> so there are some differences. But we find our gifts differently from each other and, and make them work together. That's a silly example, but except, except it really was striking to me how clean the church looked and how much my office would not have fit into the stewardship uh, video. In our world today, we so desperately need places where people can affirm things that we have in common, particularly things that help us see the goodness in life and the potential for love and understanding with people who otherwise have a very different perspective on life. And churches can still do that because we have a common faith in Christ and a common way of looking at each other. All of these things are precious having some place where we see with different eyes, where we see ourselves as bought with a Christ by price by Christ, having places where we know who we are. What Paul was asking Onesimus to do and Philemon both were difficult and costly things. Think about it. He was asking Philemon potentially to... Uh, right off having this free labor, right off uh, the ability to get more labor from him. Potentially it would create some ripples in his community. There was financial sacrifice. There was also perhaps some social standing risk there. And Onesimus was being asked to risk going back to a place where he couldn't be exactly certain what would happen to him. But they were asked to do that for the sake of this precious community named the people of God, Brothers in Christ. So here's why it's a stewardship message. How much do we value what it is that church is that is not anyplace else? There are lots of things we do as churches that we share with other organizations, which is great. I love that. There are even things we do as Christian churches that we share with people of other faiths. Great, I love that. But there is no other institution in the world that will take on the task and focus on it at the expense sometimes of other things, of proclaiming who God is through Jesus Christ. That the ultimate power in the world is love. That forgiveness and grace can make all things new. The church does that. This church does that. We share it with others. It's absolutely priceless. Now priceless things, we can't put a price tag on them, but that doesn't mean That we're not called to invest our best in that which is absolutely precious. Had a chance to talk to Corey Perry this week. He's a chaplain, and I tell you, he goes into situations where angels would fear to tread with the love of God. I've I've sometimes, uh, in different churches I've had, people who do hospital visits and they always say I'm really worried about you know what do you say when you get in the hospital room and, and um, my, my best piece of advice is this isn't always what you do but if you get in there long enough to just put your head in the door with all of the other things that may be going on and say Jesus God loves you the rest gets filled in because we have that identity together and the spirit just comes into that crack. If you don't have time to do anything else, it's good, it's important to listen. But there's something about proclaiming our faith together that the church is charged and tasked with doing and it refreshes our hearts to do so. So I pray that you will give, refresh the hearts of each other for the mission and work that we have to do, which is truly a sacred calling. Amen.